0: they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's
1: ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: You don't put those inside of you, do you?
3: This is a show about women.
1: I mean, you do? Yeah.
4: I'm Bruce
0: Bozzi. On the last season of Table for Two, we had some good times with some of the best guests you could possibly ask for. Table for Two is a bit different from other interview shows. We sit down at a great restaurant for a meal and the stories start flowing. We're back for a second season. We'll be breaking bread with Colin Jost, Michael Mann, Divine Joy Randolph, just to name a few. Listen and subscribe to Table for Two on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
5: or wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 12 Sasha. The Lord did not mean for Sasha to be a cleaner. That was her first big lesson as a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. She was good enough at it, and she had too much self respect to complain. But the work felt so unrewarding that she knew it must not be what God wanted for her. She'd spent her first night in the kingdom being pampered and provided for by her fellow sisters in the faith. They'd fed her, cleaned her, found her fresh clothes, and given her all the emotional reward she could have ever wanted. And then the next day, Helen had woken her up at 7 in the morning to help clean out an old Republic barracks that was being transitioned over to housing for soldiers of the Heavenly Kingdom. She knew it was honorable work. She knew it was necessary work. And she knew from the issues of Revelator she'd read that establishing the Kingdom of Heaven was a job that would not be accomplished easily, or without pain. She'd accepted this when she'd made the choice to venture down here but by the time she'd scrubbed her 12th toilet of the day, Sasha had decided that her mind and her loyalty were better used elsewhere. Oddly enough, something her father had told her about the corporate world stopped her from whining. Never complain, never speak ill of your colleagues, and always ask if there's more work you can do. It had been his advice to survive and thrive in business, but she took it to heart here, and by the end of her first full day in the kingdom, she'd scrubbed more toilets than any other girl. She hated the work, but she also took a perverse sort of pride in it. That brought a little guilt, because she wasn't here to serve her pride. But also, wouldn't the Lord God be happy to see her commitment? I'll ask Helen about that, Sasha told herself. She'll tell me how much of my pride is justified, and how much isn't. She didn't see Helen again until the end of that day, when a truck came to gather all the girls up and take them back to the house of Miriam. They all washed up and then sat together around a large oaken table while Helen led them in prayer. She read a chunk of the book of Isaiah and then gave a quick lecture on the value of physical labor. Each callus on your hands is a kiss from God, before inviting them to tuck in. The dinner wasn't luxurious by Sasha's standards just biscuits, a thin brown gravy, and a palm sized slice of beef for each of them. But they had oranges for dessert, which was a treat, and Sasha felt more comfortable than she'd ever have believed among her new sisters. Caroline had fled from Florida, North America's bananaist republic. She'd been shot in the arm, making her way to the heavenly kingdom. She said almost nothing. Sasha wasn't sure if she even spoke English, but Caroline worked hard. There was an intensity in her eyes that was a little scary and humbling at the same time. Then there was Susanna, from the Blackstone Nation. Sasha couldn't help but notice she was the only black girl there. Susanna had spent most of their workday singing to herself. She had a beautiful singing voice. And then there were the three other AmFed girls, Emmeline, Rosie, and Anne. They'd all left a few weeks before Sasha had made her own journey. Anne had actually gone to the same middle school as Sasha. She wasn't great with names, so most of the other girls in her group were still more of a collection of smiling faces than real people at this point. But they'd all been so warm to her. There was a real effort, from all of them, to make regular physical contact. They put hands on each other's shoulders and cheeks. They hugged constantly. Sasha experienced more touching in her first 24 hours here than she'd experienced in her last five years in the American Federation. There was something intoxicating about being touched and feeling so cared for. The only girl she didn't like was May. Like Sasha, May was within spitting distance of age 18. She'd fled from the UCS and she had a gift for letting people around her know when they fell short of God's standards. During their workday, she'd spent more time policing the other girls' posture than she'd spent scrubbing toilets. When Anne had hitched up her shirt sleeves, it was May who'd scolded her for immodesty. When Susanna took off her shoes and socks during their lunch break, May had yelled that she was an unfair temptation to the young soldiers walking by on the street. Sasha knew it was unfair and definitely unchristian to feel this way, but May looked like someone who lived to tell other people what to do. She had the pinched features, squinting eyes, and high-pitched voice of a born snitch. May kept her hair tied up in a bun so tight and short it looked military. She never smiled and never seemed to relax. And there was something about the frenzied way she'd pray, alone, quietly in the corner throughout the day, that made Sasha leery. She hated that she'd noticed those things. She knew God didn't want her focusing on what other people were doing wrong. And besides, she told herself... "'What are you really angry about? "'That she's too serious about her faith? "'Isn't that why you left home?' "'Gluttony is a sin, too, you know,' May said. Sasha realized with a start that May had addressed her. She had been eating her orange and, absent-minded and tired after a long day of labor, she hadn't realized how messy she'd been about peeling it. Her hands and sleeves were covered with the sticky juice. She looked around at the table and noticed that the other girls had been much more careful with their dessert. "'Sorry,' Sasha started. "'I wasn't thinking.' May rolled her eyes and started to say something else, but Helen cut her off. It's quite all right, dear. None of us is perfect, she cast a reproachful eye at May, and we all lose ourselves in thought sometimes, especially in the wake of great change. The Lord understands. She looked out to the rest of the table, with a gaze that seemed to take in each of the girls collectively and individually. Then she spoke. We are all here because we recognize the primacy of God's word on earth. But we are no more perfect, and no more beloved by our Lord, than the enemies we face. Never forget that, girls. Our foes are as dear to him as we are. They must be purged when they seek to interfere with God's will, but we should feel sorrow for such losses. And we should never, ever—her eyes went to May again—let our fortune in hearing God's word bleed us of compassion, or lead us to arrogance." Sasha's heart swelled at this. She'd never admired a woman more. Helen had a way of imparting wisdom without judgment, of shining a light on the truth without seeming like it was her truth alone. Helen wasn't a preacher, but Sasha had never heard anyone speak the word of God with more conviction. After dinner, they had an hour of free time to read their Bibles, share a few stories of their old lives, and drink a single cup of sweet lemon tea. By nine o'clock, it was bedtime, Sasha was rankled a bit by the fact that she and her fellow young women were being ordered into bed at a set hour, but she was so exhausted by her day of labor that she couldn't work up much frustration over the mild injustice. Perhaps when she'd had more time to adjust, she'd bring this up to Helen. She collapsed in her bunk bed, certain she'd fall asleep in an instant. Instead, she lay awake for the better part of an hour, thinking of Alexander. She'd still heard nothing more from him, or about him. She'd asked Helen a couple of times today, and the older woman had almost seemed angry. Somehow, Sasha knew the anger wasn't towards her, and that was doubly confusing. Sasha? Anne's voice broke her reverie. The other girl was situated just below her on the bunk bed. Sasha was surprised to hear her still awake. Yes, is something the matter? No, Anne said. I just couldn't sleep. I thought maybe you were awake too. I guess we're both in the same boat then, Sasha kept her voice low. "'more to avoid waking any of the others "'than out of fear of breaking the rules. "'In more ways than one,' Anne said. "'I'm waiting for a man I love, too.' "'Sasha's heart beat a little faster. "'It was like that with everything "'that made her think of Alexander. "'Her mind didn't need a great deal of prodding "'to turn towards him. "'Your love is at the front, too?' Sasha asked. "'I think so,' Anne said. "'I was lucky enough to get to see him once. "'I arrived in Capel first, "'back before the kingdom took Plano.' We met once then and once more after the city fell and they moved us into the house of Miriam. Jealousy seized Sasha's heart. She tried to replace it with gratitude in the Lord. He'd sent her someone who can understand her pain and frustration. Wasn't that a blessing? That must be hard for you, she said, getting to see him and then being separated. The words came out a bit stilted and cold. She hoped Anne hadn't noticed. It is, Anne said, but it isn't half so rough a place as you're in. I can't imagine how anxious you must be, arriving here and not seeing him. He's not the only reason I came, Sasha said, a bit defensively. But yes, it's hard. I'm scared. I I don't know why I feel so silly admitting that. It's certainly not silly, Anne assured her, but I get it. Everyone here is so focused on gratitude and God's wisdom, it almost makes you feel like a traitor for feeling afraid or unhappy." Anne's voice dropped a few decibels, as if she was ashamed of her next words. I almost feel like a liar when I smile. I don't think the Lord wants us to be liars, Sasha said. But I think being happy, or trying to seem happy, is a sacrifice we make for the kingdom. It helps keep everyone else around us strong. Hmm, Anne said, and then yawned. Her voice sounded heavy with sleep. There must have been something contagious in the sound, because Sasha felt her own eyelids start to droop. That's a nice way to look at it, Anne said. I like the way you think, Sasha.
6: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky
2: just about anywhere.
4: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
6: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do. Yes.
3: This is a show about women. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway listening to the B 52s. And looking back, I should have said, This is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like actress and director Cheryl Hines.
3: They were looking for an unknown actress (laughs) (laughs) to play Larry David's wife. I said, well, how old is that guy? Isn't he old?
6: (laughs) 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 And author David
1: Sedaris. You know, like when you meet somebody and they'll say, well, I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist. And I say, well, is it all you care about? Because if it's not, it's going to be pretty hard for you if you're not on fire. It's like opening the door of an oven, and it's like, wow. You know, you take a step back. It's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they care about. They don't have relationships. They're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're focused on. all their energy goes. Yeah. yeah.
6: Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing
5: Helen woke all of them up the next morning. She was gentle with it, a hand on each girl's shoulder and a word in each of their ears, but there was no mistaking that she meant now. So Sasha got up. Her feet hit the floor just as Anne took her first steps forward, towards the dining room. They all filed in, silent and groggy. The girls took their breakfasts in the form of a thick, tasteless protein shake, and then they were loaded onto a heavy military-looking bus and driven off to a large red-brick office building. According to the bullet-pocked signs, it had once been an administrative building for the corporation that had run most of the Republic's schools. Sasha swept up bullet casings and shattered glass. She scrubbed toilets and wiped the blood off the walls and tried not to think too hard about how it had gotten there. Conversation wasn't forbidden, but there was a lot of ground to cover, and May was quick to scold anyone who dawdled. Sasha and Anne both kept moving, but they passed each other in the halls often— Each time, the other girl would favor Sasha with a supportive smile, and Sasha would return it. They broke for lunch a little after noon, stale cheese sandwiches and orange juice, but instead of getting back to work after their meal, they were met again by the bus that had taken them there. They were told to file inside. Sasha wound up in between Anne and Susanna in the middle row of the bus. It was hot. The air circulation was bad, and the smell of sweat was thick on the bus. But the windows were down, and once the bus got going, the air that blew in felt like heaven. Lord God, I've been waiting for this all day, said Susanna. I'd stay on this thing all night if they let me. Yeah, Anne said. This is actually a lot more comfortable than the bunk room, even when the power's working and the fans are on. Does the power go out a lot? Sasha asked. She felt dumb for even giving voice to the question, but her seatmates didn't treat it like a stupid question. Not a lot, Anne said, but we'll lose an hour or two most days, and it can be out for quite a while when Austin gets a drone through. "'That doesn't happen often,' Susanna assured her. "'I've been in the kingdom ten days, and we've only had to take shelter once.' "'Twice for me,' Anne said. "'But I've been here almost three weeks.' "'I'm not scared,' Sasha assured them. "'I'm just curious.' "'You should be scared,' Susanna said. "'It sucks.' "'It wasn't a long ride, and Sasha was embarrassed at how long it took her to realize the destination. "'This was the same route they'd taken from the house of Miriam, just in reverse,' She and the other girls were being taken downtown. Once she got a good look at the gallows, she understood why. There were six people lined up in front of the little stairway that led to the platform. They looked like prisoners. Susanna looked just as confused as Sasha, but Anne seemed to understand what was going on. She scrunched her face in disgust. "'Oh, no,' she said. "'I hate it when they make us watch this.'" The two martyrs who'd guarded them all day opened the doors and told them to form up outside of the bus— Sasha did as she was told, while grabbing as many long looks at the gallows as she could manage. None of the people who stood out in front of the platform looked like soldiers or robber barons or much of anything at all. They just seemed young and scared. Fags, the martyr standing next to the driver at the bus door grunted as Sasha stepped past him. He waited until the other girls had all filed off the bus before he stepped around to stand in front of them. Sasha hadn't paid the man too much attention during the day because, in truth, he scared her. He looked old, over forty at least, and his face was heavy with scars and tattoos. There were faded blue crosses inked on each of his forearms. There wasn't much skin visible under his armor and helmet, but the skin she could see was tanned red like leather. His eyes were cold and seemed fixed into a permanent squint. When he addressed the group, it was with a voice that sounded like it came to them through a filter of gravel and glass. "'These people,' he said, and spat after the word people. are gender traitors!' There were a few gasps from among the crowd. He continued, It took us a while to crack into the Republic's old files, but we finally got a list of all the fags who refused to accept their God given gender. They thought surgery could hide them, but there's no hiding the truth from the eyes of God or his true servants, and there's only one fair punishment for someone who turns their back on natural law. Sasha's heart started to pound. She'd known, of course, that Pastor Mike didn't approve of transgenderism, of gender change, surgery, of homosexuality, or of anything else that didn't fit into the neat biblical lines of what a man and a woman ought to be. But he'd always phrased his objections with such compassion. Queer and trans people weren't monsters deserving of death. They were victims of the fallen secular world, same as anyone else. Sasha agreed they needed re-education, but this... The crowd, perhaps 300 strong, cheered as the prisoners were led up to the gallows. Sasha's heart beat like a bass drum. She couldn't hear anything else. The voices of the crowd of her sisters faded behind the beating sound of the blood that coursed through her head. But her eyes continued to work, and she watched in horror as they fit nooses around each victim's neck. The young people cried and screamed and begged, but the martyrs paid them no mind. Some of them chanted in tongues while they prepared the killing machine. Sasha saw joy in their eyes. She found it revolting. Before long, they'd finished their preparations, and six people were strung up on the gallows before the brays and cries of the crowd. Sasha didn't think it was possible for her heart to beat any faster, but it kept speeding up. She felt lightheaded and nauseous and a little like she needed to go to the bathroom. Her knees grew weak, and she found herself leaning on Anne. The other woman looked almost as scared as Sasha did, but she weathered it better. She put an arm around Sasha, supporting her, and the two of them looked on as the executioner called out and pulled the lever that sent six human beings dropping down to dangle until they were dead. The snap of their necks was the only thing Sasha heard above the sound of her own pounding heart. She watched them twitch and jerk for a second, two, and then her body grew too light and her legs collapsed beneath her. The world went black. She awoke back in the house of Miriam. Her sisters knelt or stood around her, Sasha was gratified to see she wasn't the only one who'd passed out. Anne lay next to her, clearly disoriented, along with two other women whose names Sasha hadn't quite memorized. Helen sat in between them, wet washcloth in her hand, and stroked their faces. There, there, dears. You've had a terrible shock, and there's no shame in your reactions. No shame? May spat the words. There was a glow to her face and a manic glint in her eyes. Ma'am, with all due respect, I don't know how these girls can call themselves committed to the heavenly kingdom if the sight of divine justice hurts them so much. Sasha saw anger in Helen's eyes, but the older woman didn't let it carry over into her voice. Instead, she fixed May with a cool gaze and said in an even tone, Miss May, one can believe in our Lord's justice and still regret the pain that comes with it. That does not signal a lack of devotion. It signals compassion, a trait Jesus Christ had in abundance. May frowned and pursed her lips, but she kept them shut for now. Helen turned back to Sasha and the other girls who had fallen. Death is never easy to witness, girls. It should be a horrible thing to witness, she glanced back to May. And we should all be worried if a day ever comes when we can see such violence without pain in our hearts. But these are dire times. The world has fallen too much for pacifism to bring back the rule of God. And so we must use violence. Do you understand? Sasha nodded. She heard the other girls give stuttering, hollow replies. Even the girls who'd managed to stay standing looked shaken. May was the only one who wore a smile. They gave her a wide berth the rest of the day. Whoever was in charge of their schedule paid some deference to the fact that they'd been forced to watch an execution. There was no more cleaning that day. They spent the rest of the daylight hours seated around the common area in the house of Miriam, sewing uniforms. Sasha had never sewn before, but Anne sat next to her and taught her the basics. Her hands were still shaking when they got to work, but Anne helped her and, eventually, focusing on the meticulous task allowed her to blot out the horror. Once she got a good grip on the basics of what was required of her, she was able to lose herself in quiet, productive flow. She was almost disappointed when Helen called them to dinner. They ate the same food as the day before. They prayed, and then they had an hour of relatively free time. They couldn't leave the house of Miriam since it was after eight, but they could talk. Sasha gravitated naturally to Susanna and Anne. The topic of conversation turned at once to the execution. Is that always what it's like? Susanna asked. Anne nodded. Her voice shook a little when she said, I passed out last time, too. I thought it'd be easier the second time around, but it really wasn't. It feels wrong, Sasha whispered. She glanced over to May, who was holding court with a few of the other girls at the other end of the common area. I'm not saying it's okay what those people were doing, but surely they deserved a chance to repent. Susanna nodded. I don't think Jesus would want us to murder people just for being wrong. It's one thing to kill an atheist or an apostate who's attacking you. It's another thing to just... Her voice caught a bit. Hang people. Anne shook her head in an absent sort of way. Kyle told me it was necessary. Kyle? "'Susanna asked. "'My intended,' Anne said. "'I watched the first execution with him. "'When I passed out, he was so sweet. "'I came to when he was holding me, petting my head.' "'Anne's eyes shone with love, "'and Sasha had to fight hard "'to keep the jealousy from her own face. "'He explained that the heavenly kingdom "'couldn't afford to re-educate the fallen. "'They are too many, and we are too surrounded. "'If someone is capable of changing, God will know, "'and he will ensure they get their just reward in heaven.' Sasha was not entirely convinced, but she also wasn't willing to argue with Anne. It felt a little dicey just admitting her continued discomfort with the executions. So she stayed quiet, and the talk turned to more comfortable matters. What they expected from the next day's work, and what sort of lives they'd lead when the fighting was over, and they were settled down with the gallant warriors they knew they'd marry. Soon the girls all filed off to their small, snug beds. After a long day of work and stress, the bed felt so good that it made Sasha feel guilty. Alexander was fighting right now. He'd surely seen more death than she had, and he didn't have the option of fainting or crying about it. As she drifted off to sleep again, Sasha promised herself that she would never faint or cry out in the face of death again. If this was the way God had ordained his kingdom must come, she owed it to herself and to her Lord to stand and see it. The next day, they all went back to the same battered administrative building as the day before. Sasha scrubbed and swept, ate her lunch, and got right back to work. She forced herself into enthusiasm for the menial labor with the same discipline she'd used when it had been time to study for an exam in a class she hated. The same tactic worked in both high school and the Heavenly Kingdom. About two hours before the end of their workday, Sasha's rhythm was interrupted by the sound of a crash and a scream from one of the girls in the bathroom next door to the room she was in. Sasha dropped her scrub brush and darted over. She was the first one into the room. It took her a moment to piece together what must have happened. Susanna had been scrubbing a sink that had been badly damaged by shellfire. The sink had collapsed while she'd scrubbed it, and a jagged edge of porcelain had torn open the girl's hand. There was already an enormous amount of blood by the time Sasha arrived. Susanna looked pale. She'd backed up against the wall and was just screaming wordlessly. Sasha had taken three semesters of pre-med classes in the last two years. She had a good basic instruction in first aid. She pulled her shirt off over her head and wrapped it around the gash on the other girl's hand. It was the spare shirt she'd brought from home, and it had an antimicrobial weave that should make it relatively safe as a wound dressing. She pulled it tight, wadded the extra fabric up over the wound, and applied as much pressure as she could. Susanna kept screaming, but the flow of blood from her wound slowed. Breathe with me, Sasha told Susanna as she stared into the other girl's eyes. In, she inhaled, and out, she exhaled. She repeated this several times, until Susanna stopped screaming and started breathing in time with her. Several of the girls had crowded around the entrance to the bathroom at this point. When Sasha glanced up, she could see May's face in the back of the crowd. She looked disgusted, probably at the fact that Sasha had torn off her shirt. Please call for the martyrs, Sasha asked no one in particular. Tell them Susanna needs medical attention. I don't think she has any clotting agents in her blood. No one moved, so Sasha locked eyes with Anne and told her, Please go now. We shouldn't take any chances with a wound like this. Anne nodded broke away from the gawking group, and stumbled off to find help. Sasha looked back to Susanna. She coaxed the other girl to sit down against the wall and sat down next to her, applying pressure to her hand the entire time. Sasha's shirt was now soaked through with hot, sticky blood. Her hands were wet, too, but she didn't feel squeamish about this. She'd expected to after her reaction to the hangings, but somehow the sight of all this blood actually calmed her. She knew what to do here. It felt good to take effective action. The martyrs arrived a minute or so later, with a medic close behind. By that point, Susanna's bleeding had stopped entirely. The medic was impressed, and he said so. You have some kind of training, ma'am? You handle this very well. Three semesters of pre-med, she'd answered. It was only high school pre-med, but they made us do a lot of first aid drills. The medic gave her a significant look and then asked, What's your name, miss? Sasha "Me," She'd started before correcting herself. Sasha Susanna was taken off to whatever served as a hospital for the Heavenly Kingdom, while Sasha and the rest of the girls finished their workday. It was uneventful after that, but the other girls' attitudes towards her seemed to have shifted. Anne had given her a big hug, of course, but everyone was more respectful. Several of them came to her to ask minor things. Advice on how best to clean a room or clear a pile of rubble. At one point, Sasha had divided four girls up into two teams to remove a huge amount of shattered glass. While she directed the effort, May had walked by the room and butted her head in. Just because she knows a little first aid doesn't make her a foreman, she sneered. The other girls didn't pay May any mind. They left for the day at the usual time and arrived back at the house of Miriam in the early evening. Helen was waiting for them at the door. Behind her stood an older man in a white lab coat. He had a cross pinned to his lapel and a larger red cross on his armband. As the girls all filed into the building, Sasha saw Helen point to her and whisper something to the man. He nodded. Miss Sasha he called out as she headed to her seat at the dinner table. Sasha peeled off and approached him. Helen stood nearby, distant enough to make it clear that this conversation was between her and the man, but close enough that her presence provided a warm kernel of certainty and support. "'Yes?' Sasha asked. The man had a sharp, narrow jaw and a long nose. There were deep bags under his eyes, and his hair was at the greyest end of pepper gray. He wasn't very large, but he used his physicality well. He moved like he was used to controlling the room.' "'Sasha, I'm Dr. Brandt. One of our medics was very impressed with your work earlier today on the injured girl.' "'Sir, all I did was try to staunch the bleeding. Anyone could have handled that. It didn't require any special knowledge.' "'No,' he interrupted her, "'it did not. The knowledge of how to stim bleeding is not rare or special. But the willingness to jump in during an emergency and to get blood on one's own hands is rather rare. I understand you have some form of medical training.' Uh, "'Very little, sir. I took three semesters of pre-medical courses in high school. "'I was thinking about a medical career before I—' "'Yes, well, three semesters of any kind of training almost makes you a doctor here. "'We're not exactly flooded with qualified medical experts.' Dr. Brandt lacked Helen's gift for interrupting without seeming rude. But he was clearly a busy man, and the fact that he'd offered praise made it hard for Sasha to take offense. "'Miss Helen!' he snapped back at the older woman. "'I'm putting this one on special duty.' would that be all right? Of course, Dr. Brandt, Helen said. She smiled at Sasha, and there was honest pride in that smile, more pride than she'd ever seen in her mother's eyes. Sasha resisted the urge to tear up in response. Dr. Brandt turned to Sasha next and asked, what do you know about the people of the road? She frowned. Posthumans were a popular topic of discussion in her high school. Sasha had seen Wasteland Warriors a couple years back and been as enthralled as everyone else, but her school curriculum didn't talk much about them and definitely downplayed their influence in the rest of the continent. Her father had called them, A bunch of idiots dancing around the desert doing drugs and robbing people. She decided to use a variant of that for her answer. They're drug-addled pagans fornicating and spurning the will of God. Dr. Brant smiled. He had such a serious face and such stern features that Sasha was shocked by the honest kindness of that smile. I'd say that's basically accurate, he chuckled. Perhaps even a bit charitable. It turns out one of these groups sent some emissaries into Plano just before the city fell. They were on some trade mission. They wound up getting stuck in a pen with a few other prisoners. We didn't even realize who we had until their people contacted us and demanded their release. Sasha's eyes widened. All she could think of were the grainy video fragments from one section of Wasteland Warriors. It was supposedly a recording of an attack on an Aegis Biosystems convoy headed from Milwaukee to Denver. The convoy had been well-armed, but it had been taken apart in a matter of seconds. The assailants moved so fast that the documentarians had needed to slow the video to make them visible as anything but flashes on the screen. How could something that fast and deadly be captured? Dr. Brandt answered her question before she could ask it. "'I'm going to guess you're wondering how we managed to capture three of those Frankenstein abominations.' "'Yes, sir,' Sasha said. "'Well,' Dr. Brandt popped the glasses off his face and buffed the lenses on his shirt while he spoke. "'Most members of any given group aren't quite like that. "'Oh, they're all pagans or atheists, just some kind of heathen. "'They have a lot of aesthetic modifications, LED tattoos and body lighting and some sensory upgrades, "'but few of them have military-style implants.' "'I see. As you know, cities and civilized nations tend to ban those implants within their borders.' Dr. Brandt slid his glasses back into place on his nose. "'So the people of the road have to send their less-modified citizens out to negotiate, etc. "'Which means we've got a bit of a tiger-by-the-tail situation here.' "'What do you mean, sir?' Sasha asked. "'Well, the stories about these types are absolutely true. "'Some of them have hundreds of warriors packed to the gills with nightmare technology.' There are individuals who are capable of taking on entire companies of human warfighters. The tribe these particular captives hail from, well, their name is quite obscene. The City of Wheels would be the most polite variant. They're as lost as it gets when it comes to the word of God, but they've got about 600 post-human citizens. Sasha thought back to what a dozen of those things had done to that convoy. She tried to imagine the carnage 600 of them could unleash upon the Heavenly Kingdom. A shiver ran down her spine. "'Exactly,' Dr. Brandt nodded at her. "'Like I said, we've got a tiger by the tail. "'They might not intervene while we have their people, "'so we've got to make sure our captives are well taken care of. "'That's where you come in.' "'Me?' Two of the captives are women, Sasha. "'They'll need to be inspected by someone besides me. "'We do have some qualified female nurses, "'but an SDF drone hit one of our troop transports about two hours ago, "'and I'm afraid they're both in the thick of that mess.' So you're coming with me to handle this job. I'm proud to do it, sir. She wasn't sure what else to say. And besides, it was true. The first captive sat on a small concrete bench in the back of an 8x10 cell. Her hair had been shaved into a mohawk, but the purple hair was deflated and greasy now. There was stubble on the sides of her head. Her face was round but lean. There were slight laugh lines at the corners of her cheeks and the edges of her eyes. She wore a sleeveless purple and black dress that was, by now, filthy her arms were covered in a strange series of tattoos, dozens of branching lines that each terminated in a box. They looked almost like circuit diagrams. Sasha quickly realized that each box held a little LED screen. Most of the screens were set to a dull red color, but once she stepped into the woman's cell, they flashed bright orange. The woman looked up and snarled at Dr. Brandt. Fuck do you want, shitbird? She looked over to Sasha and then added, Sorry, shitbirds. Sasha? Dr. Brandt sighed, kneading the bridge of his nose. "'Meet Marigold Fulton.' "'Jesus fucking Christ, what are you, six-fucking-teen?' Marigold said to Sasha. Then she looked to Dr. Brandt. "'That's fucked up, man.' Dr. Brandt winced at both curses. Sasha glanced down and saw that his right hand was balled up into a fist and clenched tight. "'Marigold, this is Sasha,' he said through gritted lips. "'She'll be performing your intake exam.' We need to make sure you're uninjured, uninfectious, and not hiding any weaponry. I would recommend compliance. Your kind always do, the woman spat back. Sasha, you've got this. Dr. Brandt gave her a curt nod, turned on his heels, and headed back out of the cell. There was an armed guard just outside the cell. As Dr. Brandt had instructed, Sasha pulled a long privacy screen out from the far end of the wall and clasped it to a set of hooks on the other end. The captives were being held in the old Plano jail, which made this one of the rare buildings in the Heavenly Kingdom being used for its intended purpose. Sasha was grateful for the privacy screen. She was also unbearably nervous about what came next. I'm going to have to ask you... In one smooth motion, Marigold pulled the dress up over her shoulders and off of her body. She wore nothing underneath it. Her pert breasts, her little belly, her pubic mound, and its shock of purple hair were suddenly just... there. You gonna do your job, or are you just gonna stand there and jill off? Marigold asked. I, what, jill? Marigold gave a harsh laugh. It's a synonym for masturbation. Lady masturbation. You don't do that, do you, sugar? I'm gonna guess the Heavenly Kingdom frowns on girls having fun without the help of boys. Sasha grimaced. The Heavenly Kingdom doesn't frown on women having fun, but it does encourage self-control. Master, what, what you're talking about, it's a distraction. It's worldly. Marigold whistled in mock surprise and said, Spoken like a lady who truly needs an orgasm. What I need to do is draw some of your blood and some of your saliva, and then perform a cavity search. Marigold's lips curled up into a cat-like smile. She opened her legs. Sasha had seen other women's vaginas before, but only in textbooks and movies. This was the first time she'd found herself staring directly down the barrel of one, so to speak. She gulped. "'Ah, darling, am I your first? Don't be scared. I got some crumb in me, but I never wound up putting defensive teeth in there. Now, my friend Topaz—' "'Stop. I know what you're trying to do. Just stop.' Sasha hadn't thought the woman's smile could get any wider, but it did. "'And what am I trying to do, child? You're trying to—to fluster me, to distract me. "'Or—' Marigold rolled her eyes as she replied, "'I'm bored.' You fucks have kept me in one holding area or cell or another for almost a week. I spent three days shitting in the corner of a gym. But at least Rick and Tully were there, too. The woman's smile softened. For a moment, she looked troubled, vulnerable. You don't have any idea where my people are, do you? Sasha shook her head. She felt guilty for some reason. That was stupid. She hadn't done anything wrong. But she felt the need to assuage the other woman's fears. I I don't—I'm sure they're all right, though. We wouldn't execute them just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Marigold snorted. Maybe you wouldn't, love. Your friends, though? I've seen your gallows. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing someone builds just for show. We have a right to enforce our laws. God's laws. What am I doing? Defending the kingdom to someone who's clearly blind to the word? Sasha shook her head. She opened the blood testing kit Dr. Brandt had given her and stepped back towards Marigold. Look, I've got to do this. Just hold still and it'll be quick. It was. The other woman offered no resistance. When Sasha told her to stand, she stood. When Sasha reached a gloved hand up inside her to search for foreign objects, Marigold said nothing. She didn't even flinch. Instead, she kept her eyes locked on Sasha's. The other woman barely blinked. In about two minutes, Sasha had finished her examination and collected her samples. She started to step back but Marigold's hand shot out, whipped fast, and grasped her around the wrist. "'Listen!' Sasha stopped and listened. She wasn't sure why. It was something about the other woman's tone. She'd heard the term command voice before. Sasha hadn't understood what that term meant until now. When Marigold spoke again, it was in a hushed tone, barely more than a whisper. "'I don't know what brought you here, but you're obviously smart. You don't have those dead zealot eyes.' She jerked her head in the direction of the guard outside. "'When I mentioned the gallows, you looked fucking ill.' I'm going to guess you haven't been here long. You're probably having second thoughts. Help me get my people out of here. If we can get back to my city, you'll be safe. We'll take you wherever you need to go. I... Sasha wasn't sure what to say. She should have slapped the other woman or spit in her eye, but she didn't. Don't say anything. You'll be back here, I promise. Think about what I've said. Think about where you are. Just fucking think. She let go. Sasha stepped back. The two women locked eyes for a long moment, and then Marigold grabbed her slip dress off the floor and slid it back down her thin frame. Sasha unclipped the privacy curtain and headed back out into the hallway. The other woman captive, Thule, was tall and muscular. She had a wide face with cheekbones so sharp they were almost jagged. Her skin was a dusky brown. Her eyes were alert and moved rapidly between Sasha, Dr. Brandt, and the guard who led them into the room. Her name is Thule, Dr. Brandt said, and she's probably going to threaten you. Pay her no mind. He turned away and left, while the guards stayed behind and kept a close eye on the tall woman. Sasha was scared to approach Thule at first. The woman's forearms were corded with muscles, and she had biceps that looked as broad as Sasha's thighs. But the woman didn't move an inch or say a word the entire time Sasha worked on her. Thule didn't even blink. She complied to every one of Sasha's requests without eye contact or any other form of acknowledgement. The woman seemed dead to the world. Somehow, Tuli's quietness and seeming stupefaction were more uncomfortable than Marigold's aggressive words. Sasha finished her work in short order. Once the last vial was sealed and her gloves removed, she took a final look at the captive. "'I hope you get back to your home soon.' Sasha immediately regretted the words. "'This woman is the enemy. Why would you try to comfort her? She won't even look at you.' Tuli let out a dull laugh. She had been so silent earlier that it shocked Sasha.' The other woman turned her head and stared at Sasha. I will return home soon, and fire and blood will come to this place because you've held me here. You're a dead woman walking. Enjoy the last beats of your heart. Sasha didn't know what to say. What could you say to that? So she took her samples and left.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
3: Listen to finally a show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
6: Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, here's the thing. I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers and so many other fascinating people, like actress and director Cheryl Hines.
3: They were looking for an unknown actress <laughs>
6: <Right>. <laughs>
3: to play Larry David's wife. I said, "Well, how old is that guy? Isn't he old?" <laughs> <Yeah>.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and author David Sedaris
1: You know, like when you meet somebody and they'll say, well, I want to be a writer or I want to be an artist. And I say, well, is it all you care about? Because if it's not, it's going to be pretty hard for you if you're not on fire. It's like opening the door of an oven and it's like, wow. You know, you take a step back. It's all they think about. It's all they talk about. It's all they care about. They don't have relationships. They're not good friends for other people. This is just what they're focused on. yeah. Yeah.
6: Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Dr. Brandt dropped her off outside the house of Miriam and told her he'd send a jeep out tomorrow morning to take her to the hospital. Sasha thanked him and headed inside. The other girls were already almost finished with dinner when Sasha sat down and joined the group. She gave a quiet smile to Susanna and nodded at the other girls' bandaged hand. When dessert, a banana this time, was over, Miss Helen took Sasha aside while the other girls broke off to read their Bibles and drink their nightly tea. I have some news for you. Yes, ma'am? Sasha asked. Alexander has been rotated back from the front, and that strange look of mingled frustration and anger crossed Helen's face again. You'll be able to see him tomorrow, after lunch. Sasha's heart pounded, an excitement that made her feel guilty and elated at the same time. I'm afraid it won't be a long visit, Helen continued, but you'll have a bit of time with him. And then Helen sighed again, just a little. Sasha was sure she wasn't supposed to have noticed it, but Miss Helen's eyes looked a bit watery. Sasha was so happy, so excited, that her brain glossed over this fact. Instead, she gave Miss Helen a hug. It wasn't nearly the first one they'd shared, but this was the first time the older woman seemed hesitant in returning it. But she did, after a moment, and Sasha's joy-drunk brain rode over any sense of doubt she ought to have felt. Sasha buzzed with uncontained energy the rest of the night. Sleep was near impossible. She tossed until the small hours of the morning, turning over her memories of chat conversation she'd had with Alexander. His face felt so clear and real in her memory that she could almost touch it, and tomorrow, she'd be able to do just that. Sasha finally passed out about two hours before Helen came round to wake them up. She should have been exhausted. Instead, she found herself out of bed, feet planted firmly on the ground, before her mind was even fully awake. Her subconscious was that eager to start the day. She rinsed herself with extra care that morning. May seemed to notice the added effort she put into primping and called her out for it. "'You're not working at the hospital to snag a doctor,' she sneered. "'You know that, right?' Sasha tried to ignore the comment. Susanna, whose hand was still bandaged from her injury the other day, spoke up in her defense. There's nothing wrong with being extra clean, May. It's probably important for the work she's doing over there. Sasha's dealing with wounds and stuff. She's not scrubbing toilets like you. Sasha was gratified by how that made May's face blush. She flashed Susanna a grateful smile and shuffled out of the washroom as quick as she could manage. She headed outside and took in her first deep gulp of the cool morning air. Cool might have been too strong a word to use, but the fresh air felt good on her skin. It only took her a few seconds to spot the battered and dirt-specked jeep Dr. Brandt had sent to pick her up. A young man, maybe as young as her, with a weak chin and an acne-pocked face, sat behind the wheel. Sasha waved to him, ran up, and hopped in. It wasn't a quick ride to the hospital. Large sections of the road were destroyed, blocked by rubble, or jammed with traffic from refugees entering the Heavenly Kingdom. Seeing that had gratified Sasha. More souls coming to God, she thought. For the most part, she lost herself in thoughts of Alexander until, 40 minutes later, the jeep rolled to a creaky stop in front of the medical city of Plano. The enormous hospital complex looked badly damaged and largely abandoned. Many of the windows had been shot out or shattered by large blasts. Several buildings had chunks of wall and roof that had fallen in. But there were lights on in many of the windows, and the hum of generators filled the air of the front courtyard. Dozens of people milled about, filled with purpose, running wires and wheeling patients. Sasha was excited at the thought that she might get to do some actual work in a functioning emergency room. When she found Dr. Brandt, he quickly disabused her of those notions. "'We're doing all right today. What I need you to do is come in here and help me catalog which medicines have spoiled.' The power had gone out during the fighting for the city, Dr. Brandt explained, and the medical storage room had been without refrigeration for almost two days." He showed her how to check medical vials for signs of spoilage, handed her a clipboard to mark her findings, and told her to get to work. It was a menial, painstaking task, and Sasha found herself missing the hell out of cleaning. She hated it, but she devoted herself to the work, and, minute by minute, the time passed. Eventually, it was time for her meeting with Alexander. Sasha pulled herself away from the rows of vials and jars and blister packs and headed outside, to where she knew the Jeep would be waiting. Her driver that afternoon was a different martyr, slightly older but still young. She was so preoccupied with thoughts of Alexander that she almost forgot to greet the man. He didn't seem to be in a talkative mood either, though, and they rode in silence back to the center of town. Sasha was so focused on the butterflies in her stomach and trying to catch glimpses of her hair and face in the rearview mirror that she didn't notice the crowds thronging downtown until the jeep rolled to a stop and it was time for her to disembark. A familiar sense of queasy dread gripped Sasha's guts as she exited the vehicle and looked out over the crowd. They were converged around the gallows once again. Sasha craned her neck, and she was able to see four men in filthy, tattered rags standing before the killing instrument. It took her a second to recognize two of the men as the porters who'd first unloaded her from the crate. An older, bearded martyr in jet-black body armor stood before them. He held a Bible in one hand and a formidable-looking handgun in the other. Sasha started to push her way through the crowd for a better look. She hadn't made it far when the bearded martyr addressed the crowd. These four men were all once employees of the secular abomination that calls itself the Republic of Texas, he said in his booming stentorian voice. The heavenly kingdom offered them mercy in the form of indentured servitude. All we asked, he scanned his eyes across the crowd, the left corner of his lip curled up into a slight growl. "'All we asked for was their honest, obedient labor, "'and they repaid this mercy by stealing food and supplies "'meant for the heavenly kingdom's brave soldiers.' "'He lifted his big pistol up into the sky "'and fired off four shots in quick succession. "'These men stole from God! "'There is only one proper punishment for such a sin.' "'He turned back towards the gallows "'and nodded at a hooded martyr who stood behind him "'with a hand on the thick wooden lever "'that operated the whole grim apparatus.' The other man pulled downwards, and the four bodies on the scaffold dropped with a sickening chorus of snaps. Sasha felt her stomach turn sour. This time, though, she watched. She didn't take her eyes off the gallows until the last man had ceased his twitching. "'It's not a pleasant sight, is it?' That voice. Sasha recognized it immediately. It was the voice she'd heard a hundred different times over her deck, hidden up in her room back in the Amfed. It was the voice of the first man she'd ever really loved. It was Alexander.' Sasha turned around, and her heart nearly burst at the sight of him. He was tall, broad, and muscular in a way that somehow seemed comforting, and not scary. His mop of curly brown hair, lopsided smile, and round, permanent jawline were all exactly as she remembered from their dozens of chat sessions. He wore olive-green fatigues that looked stained and burned in a few places. His hair was greasy, and there were great big bags under his eyes. But he was here. He was real. She collapsed into him. Before she realized it, she'd started to sob. I love you, I love you, I love you, I thought you were dead, I love you! He hesitated for several long beats before he returned her embrace. But he returned it with gusto. His hands crept down, from her sides to her buttocks. He squeezed her. It was a gesture she'd fantasized about several times in her weaker, more carnal moments. It was not something she'd expected a godly man like Alexander to do out in public, surrounded by people, in the immediate aftermath of an execution. Sasha pulled back and coughed in surprise. She didn't say anything, though. She didn't want to mar their first meeting with that. And she also remembered something Pastor Mike had written in Revelator, that ''The beastly nature of man must be salved by the goodness of women.'' Alexander had just spent several days up at the front. He must have seen terrible things. It was understandable that his self-control would not be at its peak right now. Still, she didn't like the way he looked her up and down. There was something of the wolf in his eyes. It was not the look she'd dreamed of seeing, but then he spoke. "'Sasha, I'm so proud of you. I didn't know if I'd ever get to see you here. I wasn't sure if you'd be willing to truly commit yourself to our Lord, but I prayed that you would, and now, by the grace of God, you're here, and you're even more beautiful than you looked online.' Sasha blushed. "'How could she not?' "'Look,' he waved a hand towards the gallows and the bodies, "'Things are still sort of a mess around here, "'but I know one café nearby is up and running again. "'I've got enough ration tokens to get us both a cup of coffee. "'What would you say to that?' "'I'd say yes,' she smiled at him. "'Her earlier reservations dissolved as she took his hand "'and followed him down the street, past the gallows, "'and the dispersing crowd, and towards the café. "'In a minute they were there. It was a small place.' one rectangular room with a coffee maker, a half dozen tables, and an outer patio area with another half dozen tables. There was a generator, power and air conditioning inside, so they sat there. Alexander ordered them two large cups of black coffee. He sat down while he waited for their order and stared into her eyes. She stared back. For a while, that was all they did. "'It's so good to see you,' Sasha said. "'I've been working at the hospital "'and I've seen so many wounded men. "'I couldn't stop thinking I was going to see you "'in one of those beds.' broken and bleeding. He smiled at her. Then he reached his left hand out and sat it on top of hers. Sasha shivered. She couldn't help it. Things stirred inside her. She felt a sudden, powerful urge to possess his body, to hold him and squeeze him and be explored in turn. She clamped her mouth tight and focused on trying not to give all her thoughts away through the blush in her cheeks. Sasha, he said, it brings me such joy to see you here. And don't worry, I know the situation at the ladies' barracks is rather primitive, but I'm talking to my commanding officers. As soon as we get married, you'll be a part of my household. We'll be able to live together. We'll build a life, and that life will help build the heavenly kingdom. She was stunned for a moment. Sasha began to tear up, and all she could do was nod at him. This was like a dream. It was, of course, rather different from her actual dreams, which had involved Alexander in a house, but not so many bleeding and dying men. Nor a gallows. Their coffee arrived. Alexander took a sip, and she followed suit. He continued, I know you're working at the hospital now. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry you had to spend so much time scrubbing toilets. As soon as I can get you off those duties, I will. Oh no, she interjected. I love working with Dr. Brandt. It's important, and I want to do my part to help the kingdom thrive. Something passed across Alexander's face. It looked like irritation, perhaps at her interruption. But it was gone quickly, and his smile returned. That's admirable, Sasha. You're a remarkable young woman. If that's what you want, I'm sure you can continue to help out there until you're with child. With child? Sasha felt guilty for the horror in her voice. Of course she wanted children, she just didn't want them now, or particularly soon. Alexander nodded. We must be fruitful and multiply so the heavenly kingdom can remain and expand. His smile was so warm, so kind. "'I know you've read more of Pastor Mike's writing than I have, Sasha. "'You're a very smart girl. "'But God made you to bring forth more children. "'You wouldn't want to delay your purpose, would you?' "'Maybe a little,' she thought. "'No,' she lied. "'Good,' he smiled again. "'And don't worry. You won't have to do it alone. "'Malia already has a child, and Adelaide's two months pregnant. "'They'll help you, too.' "'The world stopped. At least it did for Sasha.' She could tell people were still moving around her, but Sasha's reality had shrunk to the pounding sound of her heart in a twisting in her gut. Uh, Adelaide and Malia? Alexander gritted his teeth. There was something almost practiced in the way he said what came next. Adelaide and Malia are my wives, as you will be. Well, Alexander, you didn't say anything about other wives. You never mentioned them at all. Why are? How can you be telling me all this now? His smile turned sad or at least it gave the illusion of sadness. Sasha was still too shocked for anger. She felt like a hole had just been knocked in her heart. She knew she should be angry, but she also felt like there must be something missing, something she didn't understand yet. Alexander was a sweet boy. He wouldn't do this to her. Look, he said, I'm sorry, this is never easy. You understand how important the heavenly kingdom is, Sasha. Nothing in the world could matter more, and the kingdom will not survive without people like you. "'One of my jobs here is to push young women like you "'to take the terrible risk of coming here.' "'And so you lied?' she croaked, "'barely able to believe what was happening. "'You poor false witness, Alexander. "'I... I did not lie.' "'His voice hardened, and so did his eyes. "'I did not tell you about every aspect of my life here, "'but I did not lie.' "'He sighed, took a sip from his coffee, and continued. "'I'm part of a special unit within the kingdom "'formed on the order of the pastor himself.' He calls us Jacobians. It is our job to seed the next generation of martyrs. We take personal responsibility for the kingdom's expansion. Finding you and bringing you here was one part of my work in this great cause. If I'd told you every detail about life here, every single thing, you wouldn't have come, and your soul would have stayed in jeopardy." He took another deep, arrogant sip of his coffee. I'm sorry if this hurts you, but it was for the greater good. We must sometimes do distasteful things to serve God's design. Sasha's vision went red. She stood and, without thinking, grabbed her now lukewarm mug of coffee and splashed the whole thing in Alexander's face. He yelled at her and sputtered like a goldfish, but she was already up and heading for the door. She flung it open, walked out into the crowded street, and lost herself in the press of the crowd and the boiling waves of her own anger. Hey, I'm Robert Evans. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. I hope you enjoy the chapters to come. You can find the free EPUB of every chapter and eventually the whole book at atrbook.com, complete with illustrations. If you want to support me in writing the sequel, you can crowdfund me at After the Revolution, the sequel at GoFundMe. Just type in GoFundMe, After the Revolution, the sequel. Um, I'd like my books to always be free, so I'm just going to try to crowdfund uh, the next one and see how that works. So After the Revolution, the sequel on GoFundMe. Uh, You can also find the community of fans of this book online at r slash after the revolution on Reddit. So after the revolution, the sequel on GoFundMe and r slash after the revolution on Reddit, atrbook.com for the whole book. Thanks. Step into the world of power, loyalty,
3: Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, ears edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey, I'm Bruce Bozzi. On the last season of Table for Two, we had some good times with some of the best guests you could possibly ask for. Table for Two is a bit different from other interview shows. We sit down at a great restaurant for a meal, and the stories start flowing. We're back for a second season. We'll be breaking bread with Colin Jost, Michael Mann, Divine Joy Randolph, just to name a few. Listen and subscribe to Table for Two on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.